Hello, and welcome to another full episode of Horror 4H. I know it's been a while, but hopefully the strange occurrences kept you satiated until now. Social stuff out of the way first. Big thanks to Brian, Josh, and Jackal for their continued support of this podcast and its insanity. Extra thanks to Brian for reminding me there were more entries into a franchise I'd already begun to riff on. I was having a hard time finding something new to do, as not every bad movie is deserving of my top-tier treatment, and he reminded me about Slumber Party Massacre series, so ta-da! If you want to help out like they have, you can head on over to patreon.com slash horror, the number four, and the letter H. Anything you want to give is appreciated, and you will get a shout-out. Even if it's just a dollar one time, that's helpful. If you want to give more, it's deeply appreciated, but if all you can give is your time and enjoyment, then that is more than enough. I would also like to say that uh, whenever this episode was being written, conceived of, all that good stuff, uh, the SAG and uh, writer strikes started. So, solidarity to them. Uh, I am under no corporate sponsorship or anything else, non-union. Nothing I'm doing right now is violating any of those guidelines. Uh, if it was, I would stop immediately, but it doesn't. Uh, any money you want to donate goes straight to me as a person as a creator instead of any sort of studio or company or sponsor or anything like that. So no worries, this is guilt-free content that you can enjoy. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Okay, so I listened to both my Slumber Party Massacre 1 and 2 episodes to kind of re-familiarize myself with this series, and I learned a few things in doing so. One, I have improved greatly at the skill sets I use to make these episodes. And now that I've said that out loud, this episode will be the worst one yet. Two, I didn't need to re-familiarize myself with this series because it's batshit insane. Three, don't watch the first two if you're going to watch the third because you don't need to watch those in any order for them to not make sense. Usually I have it on in the background once or twice to get a feel for the horribleness of it all, but this time I am going in with no previous viewing of any sort of this movie. So what you're getting is first impressions with some very mild editing. I say very mild because editing is work and no thank you. So let's get started. Well, from the first frame, there's a loud noise, but maybe that's supposed to be creepy, but instead it's just kind of seems like a giant swarm of bugs flying by the microphone, which I guess could be creepy. I don't know. So an ice job? We start by seeing a snapshot of two girls smiling and being buddy-buddy and more snapshots of other girls during the same. Who are these girls? Were they in the first two movies at all? Good questions! I don't think so, but it's hard to know for sure considering none of the actors from the first movie were in the second. And the actors in the second, who played people from the first, looked nothing like the characters from the first. And also the second had a completely different killer, who was largely a dream except for the last few moments of the second film, so really who knows? I could say clearly these people are elves from the North Pole, and it would make more sense than the entirety of the quote-unquote plot so far from the first two movies, so now we're seeing some guys in the snapshot, and they really don't look familiar at all. So I'm betting these are all new characters we'll be introduced to soon, and hopefully right after, they'll die in inventive and entertaining ways. Actually, hopefully they'll die in ludicrously stupid ways, so I can mock it all, otherwise this isn't going to be much of a show for you. Also, I'd like to take this moment to point out that this is the first in the franchise to be made not in the 80s. It was released in late 1990, so odds are it was actually made in 1990, which makes it the first Slumber Party Massacre to be made outside of the 80s. I'm interested in how bad movie-making techniques differed from one decade to the next. Is all this just me filling time while even more snapshots that give zero insight into anything continue to fill the screen while the credits play? Absolutely! But I'm gonna tell you, that which differentiates me from all the other riffers out there, 
Probably. Actually, probably not. Being meta is sort of our bread and butter, right? But I'm just a silly, goofy little guy, so it's more entertaining when I do it, right? Of course. I must say, despite the lackluster credits, of which the font isn't even red on black background, so what are we doing here, folks? At least the music is somewhat spooky. Lots of high-pitched sounds reminiscent of both running your finger around a glass edge and uh, bad wind chimes setting on a keyboard. It may not be actually scary, but your ears will run in fear, so there's that. Oh, and a zoom in on a snapshot of a kid kissing an adult on the cheek. Who is the kid and the adult? I don't know, but the adult looks like a mildly content Norm MacDonald, so that's neat. And hard cut to a desert beach. It's a beach, because there's an ocean next to it. And the camera is panning in a jittering motion, making me think the camera person didn't know it was on and was like, Oh, shit, uh, uh, where are the actors? Oh, God, just pan! Pan anywhere! And there's the cast, a full 180 degrees from where the camera started. And they're playing volleyball on a completely empty beach, which tells me either they managed to hire out an entire beach for shooting purposes, or this wasn't during beach weather and all the actors are miserable in their suits and probably freezing or something. And one of the people bumps into the camera person, which turns out to be another member of the cast who isn't holding a camera at all. Neat. And the way they're all lined up makes me think a uh, volleyball is about to be tossed back to them, and that the camera will shift suddenly to a 3D perspective with the ball being tossed at the screen. I don't remember when 3D stuff started popping up everywhere, but let's just hope I'm wrong and we aren't subjected to cheap jump scares for the rest of the movie. But instead are subjected to cheap non-jump scares. Yeah. Hooray! No 3D bullshit yet, but some absolute drivel of dialogue that I can't even be bothered to really riff on. I believe the line that made me stop caring is a carefree and lighthearted, ah, oh, we're just history as it is. And the people in the snapshots were 100% the cast because two of these people look familiar. Want to know who doesn't? The figure walking up behind two of the girls in the group who aren't playing volleyball but are sitting on a towel in their bikinis, and the figure is dressed in solid black, head to toe which totally isn't odd to see in this setting. And it's not like everyone else is to the side of these girls since the girls are watching them play volleyball, so it's not like anyone else should be able to see this guy approaching them at all on a wide-open beach. It's not like that at all. Oh boy, in the volleyball game is three guys against three girls with two girls sitting out and one guy sitting out. The guy sitting out is clearly the nerd of the bunch because he's the only one not wearing beach clothes. And the figure in all black approaches the camera and sits down on the sand. Dun-dun-dun. And it's some early 20s blonde guy who looks like he's tried to grow facial hair in the fifth grade and it just never came in, but he's got a ponytail and it's all black, so, I don't know, including massively heavy black socks that are so heavy, they're falling down near his ankles. Droop around the ankles, my man should have bought spray-on. Now in gloves, spray-on from the oven cleaning people. That's a deep cut right there. You're welcome, all two of you who got that reference. Okay, dude is just sitting and staring at them playing volleyball, which is very creepy on a completely empty beach. Also, the makeup department finally got to him and is making him look like an early 90s vampire, which means they tried to make him look like an 80s vampire but didn't have the budget, so he's just got white makeup on his skin, an earring, blonde hair with a ponytail, slightly red lipstick, and is constantly scowling. It's like if Kiefer Sutherland from The Lost Boys was bad at acting and had slightly worse genetics. Oh, and uh, here we go. We went from unwatchable volleyball and staring at people watching unwatchable volleyball to a down the bikini from above shot while the two girls not playing talk. It's been less than four minutes. About damn time we got some sexploitation. One of the girls tells the other to just move.
move in with her because her mom wouldn't notice because she's going through menopause, which I'm like 99.9% sure is not how menopause works, but I'll leave that to those of you listening who have the required equipment for that. The important part here is the exposition that the other girl, who I will now dub Cool Girl until I get her name and possibly even after that, because she has kind of a side bob haircut that's totally dope and rad, you guys, and also she's wearing a black bathing suit, which is like uber cool. Black coats are cool, you guys. It's the early 90s. Cool Girl, whose name is Jackie, I won't call her that again, can't move in with her friends because her mom found her diaphragm and she told her mom it was the other girl, so now the other girl is labeled a bad influence because practicing safe sex is the worst, you guys. Just go fuck bareback all the time in high school. It's fine. It's the 90s. But who cares about moving away and actual adult concerns regarding school and parental things going on? Cool girl may be interested in Frank. Frank! The tea is hot, everyone. Oh, and cool girl is 100% throwing it back at, um, I don't have a name for her yet. We're gonna, we're gonna go with Pinky. Yeah, because her bikini's pink, so. Makes sense. Pinky is lusting after Michael. Michael! Can you believe it? Oh, wow, and this movie is super progressive because the girls are objectifying the guys. Can you blame her for lusting after Michael? He's asking for it by showing off his body. I mean, come on, Michael. If you didn't want to be a sex object, why'd you wear only a bathing suit to the beach, you dirty slut? While they're discussing the pros and cons of love, Nerd Guy notices the man not far from them, all on the empty beach, wearing all black. That only took way too fucking long. Hey, Jackie, how long has that guy been sitting there? Staring at us. Creepily. A while, I think. A while? And you didn't say anything to the rest of your friends, especially friends who are not wearing much. Great friend, cool girl. Yeah. Nerd yells, hey, buddy, keep your eyes to yourself, which causes creepy dude to literally just look to his left in the worst I'm just slowly looking everywhere attempt I've ever seen. Oh, fucking A, I was right. Nerdy guy is the nerd. After creepy dude looks away... Nerdy Guy says, uh, looking away is a sign of submission, and he learned that in biology while studying orangutans. I'm normally pretty good with this bad horror movie cliche shit, but now that it's in the 90s, well, this is, this is my jam. I'm really good at it. I was a formative youth in the 90s, so that culture is one I'm very familiar with. This is gonna be a blast. And by that I mean, kill me now. And more exposition, instead of focusing on the creepy dude, let's make a joke or two about inviting him to the slumber party later tonight. Also, slumber party night? Oh no! The name of the movie is Slumber Party Massacre! Run, teens, run! You're in danger! No one have sex or do drugs or drink! You'll get murdered in hopefully inventive and entertaining ways! Run! One of the girls knocks the volleyball really far away, which affords one of the other girls the opportunity to meet a 30-something-year-old man pretending to be in high school who leads with the line, what's it worth to you, while holding the volleyball. Well, I know who I hope the killer gets first. Oh yeah, then he openly stares at her and she responds the same way every woman would by asking if he's sightseeing and giggling about it. Remember guys, women love to be objectified, especially right to their chest, er, face. OMG, you guys, that guy was Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. Water polo in high school. Wait, so these kids are all worth more right now than I've been if you added up my entire net wealth across my entire life. Go, killer, go! While musing about how rude it was to give an unlisted number to THE Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, and how her mom pays for it to be unlisted, they realize that the vampire guy isn't there anymore, and one of the two girls didn't even see him and thinks the other two are crazy. I'm sure that's a useful plot point, and will definitely come back and pay off later on. Ominous music that reminds me of other bad horror movies that take place in a sewer happens, as one of the girls drops their notebook in the sand, right in front of their face, as they lean down to pick up some trash. A bright pink notebook that weighs a significant amount 
falls out of her bag right in front of her face. Clearly, she's going to notice, and they're leaving. Okay. One of the girls is walking alone, and while extra creepy music plays, accompanied by the sounds that are mix that are a mix of heavy breathing and a dog growling while showing the street behind her empty. Don't worry, folks, I'm sure this is all important. She bumps into a guy walking around a corner in what could have been a jump scare, but wasn't. There wasn't even a slight raise in music, no yelp or words from either of them. I know every single time I've ever walked into a stranger, I immediately give them a confused look and don't say anything and continue on my way. This movie is so real. She's made it to her car and, oh no, horror of horrors, she got a parking ticket. And then she struggles to unlock and open her car door for... No reason, including a close-up on her frantic face while saying shit. Even though no one is around, it's broad daylight, and while the music is so loud I could barely hear her say shit, it isn't speeding up or anything. It's, it's like they're trying to convey tension while zooming in on a cup of soda, which isn't tense at all. So you get it? Okay. She finally gets in the car and cranks the radio all the way up because, thank God, I could almost hear anything else on the scene other than bad generic rock music. And she looks concerned and brings her hands up to the headrest because... Apparently, it being at the wrong height is worth a desperate look of fear and horror from her. And suddenly, gloved hands reach up to grab hers. Remember when she was struggling with that door a moment ago? Good. If you've got brain damage, it isn't bad. But apparently, despite her staring intently into the car while she was working on the door, she didn't notice an entire ass fucking person in the back seat. It's not a person who's fucking ass. It's a whole ass fucking person. You know what I mean. The killer produces a drill, which, thank fucking God, I was going to be really upset if there wasn't even a single drill killing in this one. No characters from the first one or second one we've seen so far. No connection to the previous two so far. But the killer uses a drill. All is right with the world. It took almost a full minute of them cutting between the same three shots of the killer holding her hands behind her head, her screaming, and the drill close-up to finally kill her. So the killer lacks the efficiency from the first two movies. But that's fine. Also, the gloves the killer's wearing are big, heavy work gloves. And they aren't all black, which means Vampire Guy probably isn't the killer, but is a red herring dressed all in black. You know what? Based on the characters I've seen so far, of whom I don't care about any of them and know even fewer of their names, I'm going to say it's Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. And cut to generic 80s ballad music while the rest of the cast drives around sunny wherever the fuck they are in a not-quite-sports car with low leopard print interior. The girls all ride in the back, like, up top, unsafely, because the real horror of this movie, aside from the acting, writing, directing, sound, casting, and so on, is the road safety rule violations. My god. They just change lanes without signaling. The fucking madmen. They get whatever's coming to them as far as I'm concerned. And now we're at a house with visible other houses nearby, divided by a simple hedge. Which means, when the murders are happening here later, and everyone is screaming, and the neighbors should hear them, they won't. And Cool Girl and her love interest, whose name I've already forgotten, have an awkward goodbye scene in front of the house, which is where she lives. Oh, it's Frank. Frank, apparently. Her na his name's Frank. And she doesn't just want another fling. And he says he doesn't want her for just a day or a week. Frank is a month man. Awkwardly kissing while a plane ruins what little sound quality they did have, Frank drives away and we see plenty of houses just across the street with lots of cars out front. I mention this again for the eventual no one hearing the, the screams scenario. And gasp, the front door is open. Man, can you imagine if this if that was the killer? Like, 
if the killer just started murdering everyone rapid fire right now, 11 and a half minutes in. It's definitely a twist I would not see coming instead of a neighbor visiting or parent leaving the door open and an annoying sibling or something like that. Door open and scream! Followed by the thinnest man I've ever seen with better hair than her also screaming. And it's a neighbor, Morgan, who saw their sign out front. I'm assuming it was a for sale sign. And the door was open, so he just walked right in. And let me guess, she doesn't find that odd or anything. He says he thought they were just having an open house. Yep, okay, uh-huh. She says multiple times it's okay and that she just must have left the door open. Yep, called it. He takes about 30 seconds to say he's leaving, and he tries the whole time. She didn't realize he was in the market, and he cryptically says his accountant says he has to buy something. Okay. He keeps staring at her while saying, It's a nice house. Right. Okie dokie. And she tells him to just wander around and look at it all like this is a normal situation that happens. And answering machine time. Kids, just so you know, an answering machine was just kidding. You're not fucking idiots. I'm not going to patronize you. Mom's message is that they're going to fly back home tomorrow and then a creepy voice from the next message asking if anyone's home, which is probably a no considering it went to the answering machine. She turns around after listening and is face to face with Morgan who is just creepily staring at her, and again, she acts as if this interaction is totally normal instead of, you know, freaking out that a grown-ass man wandering around your house alone and then staring at you while breathing down your neck being weird and something you should call the cops over. Anyway, let's see the house in different cuts to imply the passage of time. First the exterior, oop, now it's dark, then a mostly white room with dark oak furniture save for the bright red sofa and chair and lamp. I bet one of those gets blood on it and no one notices because it's red already. A super close-up of a banister, so we know there's stairs, I guess. A dark hallway with a closet-style door, and um, that shows that there's a hallway. And a cool girl in the shower behind a door that's very glossed, so we can't see anything. Don't worry, though. Even though this was the early 90s, we still had just enough sexism that I'm sure we're going to see a naked body, everyone. Just be patient. There will almost certainly be needless tits. Oh, and a close-up of her washing her knee. Scandalous. And her left hand. Ooh, this may be too hot to handle. The riff may have to stop here. I don't know if I'm legally allowed to describe her washing her left hand. Oh god, she grabbed a bathrobe, which means no needless nudity. Surprising and refreshing. A light knocking on the door happens. So light, I didn't know it was happening until she yelled very annoyed that she was coming. I actually had to back it up a bit and listen again. And in fact, there was door knocking. A very faint knocking. She rushes down to open the door while the music crescendos like something scary is going to happen, and it does! All her friends are on the front porch and yell boo in unison when she opens the door, and she laughs and calls them jerks. Absolutely fucking terrifying. Company. Did you bring the beer? That's not all we brought. Okay. And then with no further explanation of what was brought, they move into the red sofa room. After walking into the room, the cool girl screams, what did you bring? In an angry manner, which triggers no alarm bells from anyone, and it's apparently ice cream and champagne, which is kind of disappointing. Like, with the way that's not all we brought was said, I was expecting, like, pot, at least. Oh, well. Kids those days didn't know how to party. I was six when this came out. Yep, and someone else brought brownies, which, actually, yeah, okay, brownies and ice cream. That You know what? I retract my statement. These kids know how to party. They all start eating the chocolate chip cookie dough that Cool Girl is making. God damn, they're going to be on a sugar high while they're getting murdered. And then they bring up one of the girl's latest victims. They're talking about, of course, Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, everyone. No more room in the fridge for the beer, so Cool Girl has to go put it in the garage or something so we can see more of the house area. So that later, when people are being murdered, we can go, that doesn't make any sense, with authority. 
big sliding glass door in the kitchen. I bet that totally won't be a plot point. Not like it's easy access into the house or anything. And when she walks out, she checks on the barbecue she's working on, keeping warm until Sarah shows up with the food. Who's Sarah? What food is she bringing? Fuck if I know. Maybe Sarah was the one who got murdered earlier. Let's hope so, because if she doesn't have to spend time with these people, that's a boon for her. One of the others comes to check on her, and oh god, this dialogue. I actually can't tell if it's bad because of the delivery, which I hope was on purpose. It is, being said, almost exactly like this. Complete with fake laughs from Cool Girl that remind me of what I do when I'm forced into small talk. And from a, my parents make me dress like a little girl, I have to change clothes in the car whenever I go anywhere, comes a big laugh from Cool Girl, who then a loud and manic voice asks if she likes her new job. Combine this with the scream of, what did you bring? And I'm actually leaning towards Cool Girl being the killer because she's very mentally unstable. The new job is a server job, and she loves it because she met a handsome older guy who's a total gentleman, showcased by the fact that he stared at her a lot and then kept coming in every night until she'd go out with him. Uh-huh. Cool Girl is strangely rightly freaked out by that, and then when the other girl, Maria, probably not gonna remember that, says he's 50, Cool Girl is pretty disturbed. And she should be. You're all high school seniors. At best, Maria is 18, dating a 50-year-old. Just know what in the Leonardo DiCaprio is going on around here. This interaction followed by talking about how cold it is outside. Well, duh, you're in a fucking bathrobe and nothing else. Maybe that's why you're cold. And Maria goes back inside while Cool Girl yells her name like she's being insane for going back inside. Right after they said it was cold outside. What? Anyway, rustling noises happen with creepy music, but it's predictably a cat. Or was it? Yeah, it was. And as soon as she walks back in, the cat makes a horrible hissing noise. Probably not ominous at all. I think the cat got murdered, which is the only one I'm upset about. Cut back to everyone eating snacks, and they comment on Maria's outfit, and she says, It's just us girls, which means that within the next five to ten minutes, the guys are going to show up, right? Yeah. No one could get a hold of Sarah, which means, yep, she's the one who got murdered. The phone starts ringing, and we cut to Morgan. You remember the creepy neighbor? Well, he's cementing his creepy neighbor status by calling them while looking through a telescope into the window so he can spy on them having a slumber party. Oh, well, that's refreshing. Instead of just breathing heavily into the phone like I thought he would, he just creepily asks if he can come by and see the house again. He staggers before saying it's because he wants to see the night sky from the roof for his telescope so he can look at the stars. Right. Well, at least she says no. And the girls are all dancing in the red room to loud music while Morgan starts reading a book while ominous music plays. So I don't know, maybe the book was How to Murder, A Beginner's Guide to Massacring. Oh hey, it's the guys! They pull up in front of Not Anywhere We've Seen and turn down their radio so they can hear the girls' music. If you can hear the girls' music from that far away, they would have already had the cops called on them for a noise complaint. Which means that this party is in full swing and the girls have been drinking and one of the guys says, This is even better than I hoped! What? Literally, all you know at this point is that they're listening to music. That's it. Were you expecting them to be, like, full-on footloose townspeople? The guy who drove them, Frank, says he'd just drive them there and not crash the party. Frank, did you think these two idiots you're with were going to do anything other than be massive dipshits? Oh, good. One of them has the idea to put on Halloween masks to get a peek at the girls without them knowing who they are. Frank refuses to open the trunk for them and get the stuff, which quickly turns into his two friends assaulting him to get the keys. One of the guys is like, do you think they expect us not to show up after they've been talking about it? Do you think they don't want you to show up to an all-girls slumber party? Yes. That's literally the point. <sighs> Frank decides to go along with them because we can't have a single person act rationally in this movie. 
And back to the girls who were playing Truth or Dare, and one of the girls doesn't want to answer if she's just slept with a guy, so of course they dare her to go to bed at a reasonable hour. I'm just kidding. She has to do a striptease, and the quote-unquote real thing, as opposed to what? All those fake stripteases that were so popular in the early 90s? Also, I was wrong. There is going to be gratuitous nudity, just a bit later than I thought. Oh, and one of the other girls says, come on, strip, I'll show you how. Because since they didn't have cool girls show off in the shower, they're actually in the negatives for nudity. They gotta do two right now just to get into the positives, clearly. And cut to the guys walking over two blocks away, which really cements that the girls should have had a noise complaint. You're telling me they could park two blocks away and hear that music, and no one nearby has been like, shut the fuck up! I've lived in apartments. If people hear you breathe too heavily, you do something about it. These guys are just now walking around talking about taking pictures but they're sad because they don't have a camera because nothing screams good guys who deserve the girls like taking pictures of them without their knowledge they're gonna walk up and look through the window and see two girls stripping though because fortune favors the perverted apparently i'll save you the details of the totally real strip teases not for any moral reason but because this movie is only 24 minutes in and i'm on like page seven of riffing i gotta slow down or this episode is gonna be monstrously long but I'll give you the cliff notes. Tits, some ass, there you go, you're caught up. And cue all three guys, even though Frank was like, I'll just show you how to get in and not help, with bad Halloween masks on, in the room with them, screaming. None of them noticed three people in masks just walk in, despite two of them facing the direction the guys came from. What kind of fucking beer are they drinking? Jesus. The girls all start to run because, duh, and the guys are like, it's only us, and take off the masks. Did you think they'd be like, oh wow, scary monsters, now we all have to strip. Also, I called it. I said the guys would show up within 5 to 10 minutes, and it was at 18 minutes 38 seconds in, and it's been exactly 7 minutes since then. Damn, I am good. The girls start yelling at them, which, good, and Frank is all, I tried to tell them not to, bro, you're standing right next to them in the same stupid fucking mask, and you didn't try to do shit. Cool girl starts physically exalting them and pushing them outside, and then we see the barbecue tipped over, which almost starts a fire. The guys are adamant they didn't have anything to do with that. They do a sad walk back to the car, while we get a point-of-view monster shot looking at the back door. And back to the girls, one of whom asks, can we change here? You mean right there where the guys just walked in and saw you stripping? Not like in another room a few feet away, not upstairs where they can't peek or barge in? Yeah, sure, let's just give the killer a show. Oh, hey, vampire guy. He shows up and just breathes and half-smiles while looking at the sliding door in the kitchen. And the guys decide that one of them should go convince the girls to let them back in, while the other two go get candy or flowers or something. Reminder to any boys listening, this is exactly how that works. Yep. Doesn't matter how bad you piss off a woman. Just candy or flowers and begging. Works. Every time. Apparently. Anyways... The one guy starts moping back towards the house. I find it important to note here he's black. I say that because I have a feeling he's going to be killed soon. And I want it noted that the only black person we've seen in this movie so far is going to be the second one killed instead of the first. Progress. We have now ended racism. Yes. Go everyone. The girls decide they're hungry and that they should order a pizza along with a line that was clearly written by a 15-year-old boy. Pizza? Oh, just what my thighs need. And it was delivered totally seriously after having eaten ice cream, popcorn, brownies, chocolate chip cookie dough. Yep, okay. Anyway, dude made it to the front door and is hitting it while trying to sound nice and the girls decide to crank the music to drown him out, which means he's about to get murked and he spies someone in the bushes with a dark hoodie and a sort of clearest face mask thing. 30 minutes in, we finally may get a second murder. 
The figure runs off, so the dude goes to check, because that's clearly the smart move. Figure apparently was waiting on an Ani or something and jumps down onto him, and he fights off the figure with a trash can before bolting back to the front door. My guess is to bang loudly and not be let in and be murdered on the front porch. Okay, I'm upset the killer doesn't have a drill. Again. But I will give points for ingenuity. He pulls the for sale sign out of the ground and uses it as a makeshift spear and stabs the dude in the chest. And then the figure unscrews the light bulb in the porch and drags away the corpse and then puts the now clean, okay, for sale sign back in the ground in a few seconds. In the few seconds it took them to walk to the door. So props for being super fucking fast, I guess. And Morgan is looking through the telescope again, wonder if he saw any of that. And the phone rings, and my god, it must be Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, everyone. Hey, you remember Nerdy Guy? Well, he's back, and in front of the house for no reason. And the pizza is here, even though it's been like three minutes since they ordered it. And the Nerdy Guy gives the pizza delivery girl 46 American dollars for her shirt so he can deliver the pizzas. God, I hope he gets fucking killed next. Oh, hey, and uh, one of the girls, she invited Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame over. Which, honestly, I would find super fucking annoying, but all the girls are acting like she just fucking won the lottery, so whatever. They're all rightly upset that Nerdy Guy showed up, though they do let him in, because, quote, at least he brought food. And this one is, this is actually more realistic. If you're gonna be a dipshit around women, if you bring them food, it tends to go slightly better. So, that, that's actually, that one's true. And we see someone walking in the literal middle of the road. No idea who it is yet. I thought it was Vampire Guy because of the ponytail, but you know what? Now I think it's the pizza delivery girl who doesn't notice the massive shadow of a man carrying a weapon that's filling most of the road in front of her. Oh, she finally noticed and now is running, but not fast enough. Oh, thank God, the drill is back. He drills her in the stomach over and over and over, again, in the middle of the road, and no one notices because horror movie sound physics. Back to the girls, two of whom were talking about how great Frank is. Yeah, you know, even though he just broke into your house to scare you. They hear a noise and decide to scare whoever it is, so they grab a knife and walk to the curtain to pull it open and scream. No one is there, so they scream for no reason. And then after they scream, right at the window, Vampire Guy walks in just in front of the window and then looks surprised and runs off as they scream again. They literally just screamed, and yet... You walked right in front of where they were? I know horror movie sound physics are wonky, but like, what the actual fuck? Vampire Guy is the worst vampire, so... So far I've seen him not drain a single drop of blood, and, and it's just, it's, it's sad. Somehow, despite sound physics in this world being what they are, everyone rushes in to see what the screaming was about, and now they all know Vampire Guy is around, and they find Cool Girl's Notebook, which is apparently an address book. While they wonder if he was just returning it, they decide now that they're going to call the police. Not when the three guys actually broke into their house and then harassed them at the front door for several minutes till the killer performed a good deed for them. Nope. Now. Oh, hey, the other guys showed up and went in. They reason it's fine, too, since they can protect them all from Vampire Guy. Because Frank, who caved to his friends wanting to break in and enter and harass people, clearly has the testicular fortitude to stand up to Vampire Guy. Actually, you know what? Considering Vampy ran away from two people just screaming, maybe Frank can take him. Never mind, let him in. While Cool Girl is on the phone with the cops, the rest let the guys in and leave the front door wide open and stand around talking long enough for Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame to arrive. Wow! Everything's gonna be fine now, guys. Ken Whitehouse is here. You know, Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame? Some blah blah team drama bullshit while Cool Girl tries to tell the cops what's happening, but she stops to go make goo-goo eyes at Frank for a moment because even when believing a creepy vampire guy is after you, no self-respecting woman cannot make themselves look like a total fucking idiot when a mediocre man is about. 
Well, the cops don't care, so some of the movie is realistic. And on that note, we look at a paper that one cop threw to another. They focus heavily on a cop who apparently killed himself after he retired, and the desk cop says the guy used to be woo and waves his hand around, insinuating that I don't I don't know, honestly, that the the cop was uh, a wizard? It's literally not clear, but I'm sure that's totally not plot-related at all. Uh, the flowers Frank got worked because reasons. Cool girl says she's sorry she overreacted. No, you didn't. Three guys broke into your house to scare you while you were having a private moment with friends. Why are you apologizing? What is happening? Uh, and cut to Vampy outside looking at the house with either the goofiest little smile he can manage or dead-eyed. Nothing in between. The directorial notes were either act like an 11-year-old kid or don't act at all. And the actor went, both it is! He finds a basement window he can open because why would those be locked? Yeah. Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame is being hit on very hard by that one girl. And Nerdy Guy throws in an extra exposition about Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame being in med school, which means he knows exactly how to stab someone with a for sale sign. That's like second year med school stuff, I think. Also, wait a minute. These people are all seniors in high school, and Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame is in med school. Ken? Whitehouse of Water Polo fame? You're looking pretty skeezy here, bud. A swordfish is mentioned hanging in the basement, because if they didn't mention it now, then later when it's used for a cheap kill, no one would go, Oh wow, they mentioned that earlier, and now it paid off. Brains like seeing and hearing things we've seen and heard before, so this sets off my happy chemicals. Check off serotonin. Oh, wow. They're, they're paying off real quick, because now a couple are going down to look at it. Down where Vampy was. Dun-dun-dun. Oh, there's even a harpoon. Okay, swordfish death sounds stupid, but harpoon death, that also sounds stupid, but in a more fun way to me. The conversation between these two people has become far more wholesome than expected, as one of the guys, who was 100% on board with taking pictures of women in various stages of dress without their knowledge, is now being coy and shy and asking this girl about how to ask a girl for a kiss, which just goes to show you, ladies, men understand consent when they think it'll help them out. The girl says, kiss first, and ask questions later, and no, no, guys, do not, don't, no, don't do that, that's assault. Ask first, then go in. Enthusiastic consent is the shit, trust me. And now they've kissed, and we see a point-of-view monster hiding in the incredibly well-lit basement, spying on them, which changes quickly to whatever her name is, and Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. Okay, I'm almost regretting that gag of continuing to say the whole thing, but at this point, I feel like I have to keep going or else I'm a coward. So anyways, Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame and that girl are totally gonna get it on, but not before she tosses her nightie onto a lamp, because starting fires is fun, kids. Note, starting fires is not actually fun, kids. Actually, I lie. It is fun. Fire's fun. Setting fires is fun, but it's not, like, safe, so, like, don't do it. But it is super fucking fun, but, lit like, don't do it. But it, but it is fun. But yeah, tossing clothes on a lit lamp is a 100% way to start a fucking fire. Get it? it, it fucking fire? Because they're fu Anyway, oh hey, tits again, along with aggressive making out between them, because that's sex. Sex is 100% just kissing between breasts. I've had lots of sex, so I know. Trust me. I'm not going to describe the next, like, almost two full minutes, because it's just horribly bad, aggressive manhandling, followed by her going for his crotch, which makes him roll off and be very upset. Probably too much alcohol is his excuse, though I will say, in her defense, which hurts because she doesn't need to be fending, she needs to be running, but she does say it's fine and that she doesn't care and that there's other ways to make her happy. So good on her for being like, well, I can still get off. We do love a woman who knows her body and wants satisfaction as well. 
I'll also save you the next minute of the miming of implied cunnilingus. And one of the girls goes to spy on the other with Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame because no one in this friend group has any boundaries or respect for anyone else, which is why they all deserve death. But anyway, now that they all know the other girl and Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame have sex, it's time for one of the guys to, oh, drop pizza. So they decide to go get some bleach. Wait, bleach on a carpet to clean up a pizza stain. You know what? Fine, moving on. Other girl is going to go shower after and tells Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame to go downstairs and tell everyone something. Okay, so after he goes down on you, you're going to shower and you're going to make him go downstairs. Look, at least let him wash his face first. Like, oh well, anyways, she finds a vibrator that is a plug-in. Not not a plug. It's not, not a plug. It's a plug-in. In the bathroom. And she plugs it in. Either just to muse at it or to use it. And either way, that's either your friend's vibrator or your friend's mom's vibrator. Actually, that's sexist of me. Sorry. Or your friend's dad's vibrator. And you're just touching it and stuff. That's weird and wrong. And so, of course, she gets into the bath and not the shower, which means she lied. She said she was going to shower. And so she lied. She lied to Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. And the lights go out, which means she's probably about to die, which is the penalty for lying to Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame and the vibrator turns on to lure her out i guess i don't know that seems like the smart move but like maybe turn on the vibrator so she's like oh no who is that and gets out of the tub to be murdered but if you thought that you'd be genuinely smarter and more intuitive of horror than whoever else wrote this because instead what happens is the vibrator that is plugged into the wall is dropped into the bath which causes her to shake and spasm, yay, jiggle physics behind a shower door, and kills her from electrocution because a vibrator surely wouldn't work if it got wet and would shock anyone using it if they got wet because that's totally how they work. Just, like, fucking drown her instead of this bullshit. This is insulting to the audience, honestly. Are you mad? I'm mad for you. You deserve better than this audience. And you know who else deserved better? Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. He got lied to. Also, remember earlier when I said I bet the killer is Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame? Well, it's looking like it might in fact be Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame. They're literally scrubbing the pizza into the carpet and then plugging a hairdryer to make the stain go away, which isn't how any of this works. And then, hey, Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame is back downstairs and one of the other girls goes to powder her nose, which means she's going to go talk to the dead girl about how good Ken Whitehouse of water polo's fame's dick was. Or wasn't. She's going to be in for a bit of a surprise, though, since, you know, dead girl is dead. By the way, I have to state now with how they've shown the house, it is literally impossible for anyone leaving the bedroom to go down the stairs to not see anyone else coming up the stairs to go to the bedroom. So if Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame isn't the killer, and they're just, they're, they're ignoring the entire physical layout of the house, which, honestly, that doesn't mean fuck all with this series, but I just wanted to point it out. And Maria walks into the bathroom to see nothing, just some water everywhere. So she starts mopping it up and follows it back into the room, not even once being like, this is weird, and then just keeps following the trail of water like Scooby-Doo style to the closet to open it and scream. I'm assuming Vampire Guy is standing in the closet and is about to smile awkwardly and run since that's the common reason for screaming so far. Nope. Oh, it's the girl who got eaten out by Ken Whitehouse of Water Bubble Fame. She's been murdered and is wrapped in a plastic covering, which came from... Where? Whatever. She runs downstairs and screams and let everyone know she's dead, and the first person upstairs to cry over the body is, of course, Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame, who is acting very, very upset about all this. 
almost like he's pretending. Also, one of those other girls just asked, is she okay? No. She's dead. You already got told she's dead. Why the fuck would you... I'm carrying again. I got. I really got to stop caring about these movies. <laughs> Smart ideas from the peanut gallery. We got to call the police. Duh moments from the peanut gallery. What if whoever did this is still in the house? I mean, Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame literally just came down the stairs. And then the second you go up them, you find your friend murdered. And you don't automatically assume it's him? Oh, good. Cool girl is grilling Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, which is the right move. But another girl who just had a crush on him also tells her to leave him alone. Why? He just fucked your friend, and then literally minutes later, your friend is murdered in the shower where he saw her last. How are you all not just locking him in a room till the cops come? Mm. Clearly to them, it's vampy, and now they realize one of the guys earlier, the one who got staked, might not be okay because vampy may have gotten him. I mean, yeah and no. Oh good, the guys are going to take a look around. And they debate calling the cops because they wouldn't listen because they think Cool Girl is playing a game. What? That's not, like, like, I'm not defending cops here, okay? But, like, that's literally not even close to what happened. They told you the guy probably just dropped off your address book to be nice and then left, and if you saw him again, to call them back. But I think if you called and reported a dead fucking body, they might want to check that shit out. But don't worry, everyone, Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame will call them, and if they don't believe him, he'll call his uncle. Okay? And he informs everyone of this while barely not curling into the fetal position, crying. Like, hey, man, there's nothing wrong with this particular response to the murder of a girl you were just with, but maybe try to keep it together a little bit better until the whole killer thing is resolved, unless you're the murderer. After way too long, they finally decide to all go downstairs together to call the cops. At least they all went down together. Okay, and now the cops don't believe her because clearly having a body reported means the kid are just playing games. Okay, another one of the cops asks if maybe that guy is a fucking idiot, not in so many words, and says he'll go check that house out after he gets off work in an hour. Yeah. Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, who is super fast at running, you guys, wants to run to his uncle's house to get away from the place so him and another guy go running. Well, rip other guy, because Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame is probably going to murder you. And away they go! Ken, Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame, pretends to hurt his knee, and so they start walking. And despite the fact that this has been happening in suburbia, they're now running next to an old lumberyard and appear to be downtown somewhere, because horror movie logic! Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame decides they should break in, because he knows where they keep their tools, so they can fight off the killer. Instead of continuing the one block away you said your uncle's house is. Or instead of stopping at any of the other houses along the way to beg them to call the cops. Yep, all this checks out. Other guy gets a sledgehammer and hands it to Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame, who promptly hits him with the non-sledgehammer part. God. They start to fight, and I use that term loosely, and other guy finds a chainsaw lying on the floor, because that's how lumberyards work and are laid out. But before he can start in, Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame slams his head into the ground a few times before grabbing the chainsaw and cutting his feet off before saying, Never ever admit your weaknesses. Which makes, like, pretty much zero sense here. Also, hey, I called it right off the bat. It's Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame. Also, the other guy isn't dead and starts crawling away. What the fuck, Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame? You need to finish off every victim you see. Ugh. And the girls are scared and dissociating a bit, till one of them makes a very uncouth comparison to Nazi Germany. Yikes. They then talk about how the windows and doors are locked, but Cool Girl remembers the basement window is unlocked. Why? 
Why would you ever... Like, this window is at the top of the basement. Like, just below the ceiling of the basement. Like, you have to stand on something to get out of this window. Why is it ever unlocked? Why does it even open, actually? <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, her and Frank go down to lock it, and I bet they're gonna find Vampy and accuse him of being the killer, and then Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame is gonna show back up and blame him, and it'll be a big, wacky mishap. Let's watch. Oh. Oh, hey, wow. I was, <laughs> I was wrong. They go to move something to lock the window, like to stand on to lock the window, and it's too heavy, and they open it up, and it's Vampire Guy with part of that swordfish stuck through his face. Kudos, movie. You got me. Cool Girl is now talking about Morgan, and now they all think he's the killer, and the phone rings! It's Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame, calling to tell them to stay in the house, because it's safer, and that the other guy is going to go to the cops in person, and he'll be there, and, and, and Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame will be there in ten minutes. And Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame ducks into a random van that's full of candles and clippings about that cop who killed himself and the other people who he killed, and his mask. This shot is in case you hadn't figured out that Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame was the killer yet. Oop, and he gets a drill! At least he's going back for tradition before killing everyone else in the house. So, what are the bets? The cop is his dad who killed himself after the Slumber Party Massacre 1 or 2 events. Uh, this is this is somehow Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame chance to get revenge on people still living in that house, even though that's not the house that it happened in. That he's actually the killer's son, or something even more idiotic. Let's see. Ooh, so Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame has been talking about getting his uncle, so it's maybe his uncle, I guess? You remember those snapshots at the beginning of the movie? Yeah, right, me either. But there were them, and uh, one of them that they lingered on was with the kid and the adult who sort of looked like Norm MacDonald. Well, that's the picture of him and his uncle. So there you go. Hooray. What a payoff. He's walking down the middle of the road with a drill out, with cars lining either side of the road, Plenty of streetlights around. I know why killers do well in this universe. Aside from the sound not working, no one ever looks out their fucking window. Unless it's to spy on underage girls across the street. After ten minutes, which I guess it took him to walk to there from the van in ten minutes. I don't... Wait, I, like, did he park his van ten minutes away and walk the ten minutes the whole time, holding a drill down the middle of the road? Or did he walk and then just stand on the front porch and wait, like, for ten minutes? Because one of the girls says it's been ten minutes already. Eh, regardless, he knocks. Nerdy guy answers the door and promptly gets drilled through the stomach, much to the horror of pretty much everyone else. And, oh, he got his blood and guts all over the floor. That'll take much more than bleach. Oh, hey, Frank was holding a knife, and so he stabbed him in the back. <laughs> Just kidding about the stabbing in the back part. Frank was holding a knife and was behind him, so he jumped on him piggyback style instead of, you know, driving the knife into the guy's throat. Ah. <sighs> And cut to Morgan watching the knife fight through his telescope, and he calls the cops, and in the most deadpan voice says he wants to report a disturbance, which makes the cops jump up to check it out, because he's a mildly concerned man who may be in his 30s, and that warrants a full-on riot squad versus a 17-year-old girl telling you someone's been fucking murdered. Ugh. Oh, and Cool Girl jumps in to help Frank by crashing a lamp over Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo's famous head, but despite that, he still knocks Frank the fuck out and proceeds to just go on casually close and lock the front door. Cool Girl yells that he killed Frank, which... Fra Frank just has some, like, a little bit of blood coming out of his nose and, and his, his mouth. Like, nothing indicating he's dead at all. Okay. The girls just simply can't open a sliding door at the back? Oh, because apparently Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame thought ahead and jammed it from the outside. Right, okay, maybe that's what he's been doing for ten minutes. Like, 
you know, proofing the outside against runners? Oh, well. And he drills one of the girls in the side, barely, so she's fine now, but they still can't open the front door for some reason, even though he didn't do anything to the front door. And he confronts them and says, Be nice to uncle, girls, which... Dude, just stop. Your quips suck. You're a third-rate drill killer. I mean, say what you want about the first one going sexual for no reason, and the second was terrible, but at least he had some decent puns and some predictable fun. You just suck, dude. You must rock at water polo, though. A very drawn-out, like, minutes-long shot of him getting close to Maria before one of the other girls finds a massive glass serving dish and just clocks him in the back of the head with it, allowing both of the girls to run off. But they still can't open a sliding door, and Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame's drill has the same physics as the first killer's drill. So he basically uses it like a sword on one of the girls. Very unfunny quips before the girl launches herself through the sliding door and knocks herself out, and then it's implied, but not shown, that he kills her. But the Maria, who got hit with the sword part of the drill, is apparently totally fine and running away. And he's moving a table because prep work, I guess? I don't know. And now he's just literally hitting random shit in the kitchen because why chase the easy victims when you can hit a bag of flour really hard? Maria is in a different room from the other girls and one is in the closet. Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame breaks down the door of, of uh, the same room that Maria's in. And she's now hiding in a wardrobe. And while she's probably getting murdered. Cool Girl and another start to sneak out of their room. He opens Closet Girl's closet, and she 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 actually did pretty well. She picked the same closet that the, the dead body was in earlier. And I don't know, I guess she was going to try to hide behind it, but it doesn't work. She screams, okay, so now he definitely knows where she is. And now he just starts saying some weird shit about jealousy and being her uncle and how he'll always love her. I don't, I, like, I guess he's trying to cement an insanity defense ahead of time. I don't know. The girls turn back because he got someone and then proceed to not intervene while he's, she's brutally beaten. And then Maria comes out of nowhere with a lamp and bam, right in the back of his head. Maybe he's, like, talking weird from the multiple O's to the back of the head, actually. And then she just runs out and says he got the other girl. No, he didn't. You just saved her and then you left her to die. He starts to chase them downstairs, and I'm still 100% confused as to why they just can't open the front door. But they run to the basement, and the other girl wakes up, because like I said, she wasn't dead, and they're going to try to get out the basement window, and Maria just keeps slipping instead of actually moving like the two inches to get up and out the window. Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame shows up, and they hide in the corner in defense, and Cool Girl grabs the fucking harpoon gun and gets him in the thigh. Finally, someone did a smart move. Instantly followed by a dumb move as he pulls the harpoon out. My guy, if that hit the femoral artery and you just pulled it out, you're dead soon. They start to get out through the sliding door because the window on it's broken, but instead just freak out because they're dead friends out there. And then he grabs them and a scuffle ensues. Yes, a scuffle. They scramble and he gets the drill, but he can't use it before the girl he almost killed that Maria left for dead, Susie, pours bleach in a bucket and throws it in his fucking face which causes him to swing the drill wildly and even though he's got bleach in his nose eyes and mouth he manages to take down maria to the floor who starts trying to psychology the shit out of him but i don't think it's gonna work but it starts to as she's basically saying it's it's cool you could do whatever you want i'll do whatever you want like you could do whatever you want to me and, and that, like, encourages him to just, like, try to feel her up. And then, like, she tries to help and goes for his crotch. And that freaks him out again. But don't worry, everyone. While this is happening, her friends don't help her at all. 
Her nightie gets ripped off and she's left in just high heels and a thong and then takes a hold of the drill as he turns it on before he drives it into her, proving that the worst move in horror movies is to have shitty friends. The way the camera cuts, you can tell that literally all of the girls have just been sitting there watching that happen without trying to escape or intervene despite knowing he's blind and had his back to them all, but they mind each other to be quiet so oh sure, now they can help each other out, but fuck Maria apparently. Susie is cut off and runs, but he starts hitting all the light bulbs and lamps, so now they're all even? He's blind, by the way, at this point. But yet, he can accurately hit every single light. Like, he's not swinging wildly up in the air and getting lucky. He's just going right for them. We're getting heavy implications now that the uncle was a very bad man, if you catch my drift. And, uh, oh hey, he starts saying, uh, Marco, and one of the girls yells Polo before hitting him. Get it? Because he's... Ken? Ken Whitehouse? Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame? Yep, that was that joke. Susie turns on the TV, which confuses him long enough for them to get a net on him. Yes, a net. No, I don't know where it came from. The drill is still going, even though no one's holding it, and then they manage to knock him out, and instead of using the drill on him, Cool Girl says they should call the cops because they can't ignore them this time. Why? Why can't they? They can. If they didn't believe you about one dead body, what makes you think for one second they'll believe this? And the girl that got drilled in the side just straight up suggests murdering him now so they that he can't get away. And, like, yes! Thank you! That is the correct move! Cool girl is all, we can't just kill someone who's just lying there. Yeah. Yeah, you can. He, he's done that several times tonight. To your friends. Which is why you doing it to him is absolutely okay. If he gets up, he's going to try to murder you, so stop him now. But nope, they're going to call the police, and now we see close-ups of Uncle Billy saying some disturbing things to Ken Whitehouse of water polo fame in his head because he's actually totally awake and fine and jumps up and throws off the net and starts beating the fuck out of the girls and can apparently see just fine because he grabs a knife and I can't tell if he's killing one of them, but it sure looks like it is. Oh, and now Cool Girl can grab the grill and drill and start killing Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo Fame. Like, really? Really kill him? Like, a comically large number of times of killing him. Like, blood is spewing up like vandal hearts. That's another really old deep cut for you. Till Susie just yells at her to stop. Wow, great job, Cool Girl. If you'd done that even literally two seconds sooner, one of your friends would still be alive. Oh, wait, she, she's somehow still alive. Oh, no, wait, there she goes. She's dead now. She literally, like, woke up and looked at her friends like, oh, and then fell back over dead. So good job, cool girl. Your dislike of wanting to murder a guy who was literally murdering all of your friends got one more of your friends murdered. Good job. She finds the photo of him and his uncle, and the cops show up, and cool girl is 100% suffering from shock as the music turns creepy music box while the photo is, like, shown in close-up. So, so what exactly did Uncle Billy the cop do? Why does this cause Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame to become a killer? Why did he use a drill? What did this have to do with Slumber Party Massacre 1 or 2? And what exactly did Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame do to be known as Ken Whitehouse of Water Polo fame? Who knows? Because that's it! That's the end of Slumber Party Massacre 3.